Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. So we begin our series on worship. We're going to turn to Psalm 95 that gives us great instruction on how to worship. And I thought it would be appropriate to have one of the Vineyard Kids worship team members uh, join me. And they do full-on, full-body worship in the kids' ministry. I don't know if you've seen them. It's dance moves to everything. And uh, so she's, Kezi is a part of the team. And she's going to uh, begin by reading Psalm 95. And I told you we're going to have a Catholic experience. So in honor of God's word, would you please stand? getting a workout today. Checking your watch. Yeah, that's steps. All right. In honor of God's word, uh, let's hear his word. Let us, oh, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, there are people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. This is the word of the Lord, amen. Would you be seated? Oh, you wanna thank Kezia as well. Yes, thank you Kezia all weekend, we appreciate you. Did you notice that she's just a little bit cute? I don't know if you (laughs) noticed that or not. Psalm 95 gives us everything that we really need to know about worship. It tells us what worship is, tells us why we should worship, tells us how we should worship. By the way, I should say this. I've waited this long to tell you this. Uh, There's usually in a relationship one person who's always cold and one person who's always hot. Is that true in your house? Who are the cold people? God bless you. You're not cold today. And there's always the hot people. And so us hot people, we had a power outage. We missed the 9 o'clock service. We pushed it to 1030. And so we've had some issues uh, this weekend. And so uh, it's going to be a little warm. I'm going to be like T.D. Jakes. I'm going to sweat all the way through this shirt by the time we're done. Okay. (laughs) Have you seen the brother man? Threw a, threw a, a sport coat. He will be sweating through. I'm like, turn the A.C. up. If I could preach like him, I would sweat more, yes. Uh, So if you're going to, I just wanted to let you know. We know that it's a a little bit warm, and uh, and, and that's not going to stop me from preaching a full message because I'm just not that nice, okay? And I've been waiting all weekend to tell you this. Worship, outlined in Psalm 95, tells us what, how, when, who, where. tells us everything that we need to know. Here's what worship is. Worship is the act of ascribing the ultimate value, the ultimate value to something in a way that engages your mind, your will, and your emotions. Worship. 
The sun worships God every single day that it comes up. It worships him by doing exactly what he has created it to do. It rises and it goes down. And, and the, the planets that are in orbit, they all worship God. They're doing exactly what they were told to do. All of the stars, they worship God. The fields of the trees, the Bible says, clap their hands. When the wind comes through them, they do exactly what they're told to do. And the seed goes into the ground and it dies and it breaks open and it brings forth fruit just the way God intended it. All of creation. Thanks, babe. <laughs> ah, yes. That's not worship. That's just love. I mean, she may worship. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. I don't know. I <laughs> get myself in trouble. All of creation is already worshiping God. The grass grows exactly the way he intended it. Every tree gives him glory. The sky gives him glory. Weather patterns sing his praise. You've had an opportunity maybe recently to be at the ocean. The ocean glorifies God and it never stops. You stand by the ocean and you hear it. And there is no app that's going to sound like the ocean, like the ocean sounds. You can try, but it's not. It's not. No. You You can be down in Covington, listen to the interstate. It don't sound nothing like the ocean, and the ocean obeys God, and it comes, and it always is there, and there's waves always crashing, and what is that water doing? That water is saying, you are small, you are tiny, but God has made me, and I was made to worship him. All of creation gives God glory. Anything that's messed up in creation, we did that. But everything else in creation gives him glory. Stephanie and I were walking the other day in our neighborhood. There's a kind of a retention pond that they built, and um, and a little fountain, and we walk on these paths, and there's some ducks that are out there in the water. And we were watching, have you ever just kind of watched the ducks? Have you ever seen how small a little duck head is? I mean, it's teeny. And you think about the brain that's inside that duck head. It's got to be tiny. They don't struggle. They're not stressed. They're not in therapy. They're not out there drinking, causing trouble. They're not, you know, they're not getting arrested. They don't have any laws that they need. And somehow they survive and they make it and they're doing, just always doing what a duck does. How is that? They're honoring God, their creator and their maker. We don't look at a beautiful sunset and say, wow, Darwin really figured it out. Natural selection is so beautiful. No, we say glory to the God of the universe. There is no God like you. You made it all by your hand, by your power. He made it in six days. Would it be any less amazing if he'd made it in 60 years or six seconds? Would that limit him? He made it. That's the whole point. He did it with his words and he formed us and we are made to worship him. All of creation worships him. We, we rescued a pit bull about three or four years ago and this dog is so great. Pit bulls are like, are like kids. If you raise them well, they'll do well. If you raise them crazy, they'll be crazy. This, this dog is fantastic. We love this dog. We get these deer antlers online and, and, and she loves these. And it's so funny because dogs have little personalities, you know, and not too much. My, my sister, we had a Pekingese when I was growing up and it fell down the stairs, dunk, 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 up against the wall, bang. And my sister said to this little flat-nosed Pekingese, don't look at her, she's embarrassed. <laughs> like, uh, that's going a little far. But I will admit, when all the family's around, our pit bull will grab that deer antler and, and just start chewing on that, that deer antler because she's happy when we're all happy and we're all there. It's funny. We gave her a different bone the other day. She took it outside and she put it in the mulch and she was burying it. 
We had never seen her do this kind of behavior. We'd never given her this kind of bone. And the whole family standing around putting it on Instagram like, what in the world is our dog doing? Then we unburied it, gave her the bone, took it upstairs. She took it upstairs to Caleb's room and she was burying it. You know, in a 13-year-old boy's room, you have plenty of clothes that you can bury a bone in. (laughs) Conveniently laid, scattered about on the floor. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Well, we were thinking about that. You know why she does that? God designed her to do that. She gives God glory as she functions, even according to the instinctual nature that God has designed her. And all of us have the thumbprint of God in our heart and life. And all of us are made actually to worship. Before you knew Jesus, you still worshiped just the wrong things. Every single human being has the desire and design to worship. As a matter of fact, if you're a guest or a visitor here and you don't know Christ yet, I I would actually, I could say that if you're looking for purpose and meaning in life, your purpose and meaning is found in knowing God and then enjoying him forever. And that is found as you worship him. All of us have this deep longing and desire to find someone that's greater than us where we can take all of our affection and all of our love and place that on him. We're looking for a hero. We're looking. Why is it that we are in awe of things that are beautiful? Why is it when the Beatles landed in 1963-64, teenage girls screamed and cried? I had an administrative assistant in Texas who was a teenage girl when the Beatles landed. And and she screamed and she cried. And and what is that? That's the heart's desire to worship. You know, the Jonas Brothers are back together. I don't know if you knew that or not. I know. Man, it's so exciting in my house. And the last album that they created, I mean, the album is great. I mean, it's got some really cool songs in it. We'll be listening to it probably on the way home as my son usually is the DJ in the car. And, uh, and there's no unhappy songs when he plays songs. And, and what is that desire that we have to find someone, to look to someone, to worship someone, to adore someone? It's in all of us. It's inside all of us. But the only one we can worship The only one that we we can worship that will actually do good in our life and fill our life with joy and peace is as we turn our attention to the one who made us. There's a lot of other things in life that, that don't really do it. We think they will. See, even as Christians, I don't have time to talk about idolatry in depth, but even as Christians, there are things in our life that we want to trust for peace, for joy, for contentment. We say things like, There's nothing in the world more important than family. That's not true. Actually, God is more important than family. He's more important. You can love your kids. You can love your kids, but you shouldn't worship your kids. And we have a culture where people are just like crazy worshiping their kids. Like, I'm not worshiping you. I was here before you. My mom, your mom and I loved each other before you. We will love each other after you're gone. You're a part of our family, but we don't worship you, right? But we love you. Now, here's the good thing. When you have a relationship with the Father, the love that you have for him enhances your love for your family. So I'm not saying that. But you can find out what you're worshiping by when you freak out. Some of you, you start to lose a relationship, you start to freak out. Maybe that's in the center of your life as your God. There's nothing more important than marriage. No, God is more important. God is more important. There's nothing more important than your health. And as soon as your health and life, you know you're going to go through some stuff in life. 
And as soon as your health is affected, you start to get shaken. And why? Because really, your God, even though you thought it was God, it's actually the God of your health. What freaks you out? If you start to lose some money and you, you start to freak out, you find out, oh, I, I didn't possess that. It possesses me. I have a car that I really like because it's paid for. I want it to last for 300,000 miles. I take care of it so that it will do so. Now, I enjoy the car, and it's a nice car. It's just a car. And I possess it. It doesn't possess me. Now, notice I did not talk about my motorcycle because Jesus is still working on me, and I'm not there yet. <laughs> Sometimes, I don't know, oh, you know. I talk to it, you know. I walk by it in the winter. I'll be back, baby, you know. It's terrible. If you love anything more than God, it owns you. And I think this is a daily adjustment that we make. This is why we give. This is why we serve. This is, this is why we give offerings. It's to fight that greed that so naturally makes our life all about us and puts us at the center instead of worshiping God. But here's what's really great about worship. As we're told by Scripture how to worship, we're told by Scripture why we should worship. It's not just mere emotion. It's not. Now, it, will, it could lead to some feelings and some emotion, and God is present with us. We'll talk about that. But it starts with reason. Reason. If God is everything that we say he is, it is reasonable for us to come together and sing loudly to him. Some reason God likes loud praise, he, probably because he deserves loud praise. Can you imagine if we said, let's just whisper to Jesus right now. Lord, I mean, that's good, but he deserves more than that. He wants a loud, clashing, crashing symbol. He deserves worship, and it's reasonable. Psalm 95.3 says this, and why? Why would we worship? Why? Well, because God is the best high king over all the gods. In one hand, he holds deep caves and caverns, and in the other hand, he grasps high mountains. He made the ocean. He owns it. His hands sculpted the earth. This God Sometimes I'll just tell God what is obvious, and this is through Psalms. I don't think there's any book in, this, in, the, in the Bible that has, I've looked at more and prayed more, and the Father has used more to encourage me in my walk with Jesus than the Psalms, because often in the Psalms, there's so much praise, and the praise is reasonable. The praise says, God, when you were with the children of Israel, you delivered them, and you brought them out, and, and it tells exactly what God had done, and when they were against the Red Sea, you parted the Red Sea, and then you start praying, God, I know you can part the Red Sea for me, and, and then when Joseph was there, you were with him all of those years and you gave him favor and you lifted him up and what the enemy meant for bad, you turned it into good. God, when they threw the Hebrew children into the fire, you were there with them. You are an awesome God. They weren't burned. They weren't singed. They, they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. You're so good, God. You're an amazing God. When David was there with Goliath, you were there, oh God. When Daniel was in the lion's den, Lord, you shut the mouths of lions all night long and he came out totally unsaved. Lord, you are good. You are holy. You're a great God. God, there is no God like you. There's no God beside you. There's no God under you. Every God that calls itself a God is not a God compared to you. There's one God and you're it. You made it all. You did it all. You're in all. You're through all. You're good. We love you. There's no one like you. No one comes close to him. What did we just experience? We're just praising him. It's reasonable. 
we come to church and God tells us to sing together. He likes it. Some of you just make a joyful noise. <laughs> Don't look at anybody right now. Why, why would he enjoy that? He demands it. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And in his presence, he's always receiving worship. It's his glory. Well, the angels circle the throne right now. There is never a time where God isn't receiving worship that he is reasonably due. And these members that we once committed to unrighteousness, many of us, then it makes sense that we would now take these members. You say, Pastor Rob, why do we lift our hands? Because if the trees of the field will clap their hands, then I should be able to clap my hands together to make a joyful noise for God. Somehow that when I'm living for him and rejoicing in him, he's given me this ability to do this. Some of you can't do this in rhythm at all. And you just need to stop and let other people do it. But uh, this, somehow, when we clap our hands, it gives him glory. It praises him. When, when we come together and sing, we're not coming together to judge whether or not we like the song because the song is for one, an audience of one. Good worship isn't whether they were, you know, by the way, they're super talented, and aren't you glad? I mean, they should be talented. And it's great, but really, even if they weren't, we would still glorify and worship God. I was always worried when I was a kid in church and somebody would get up and say, right before they would sing, you could tell they were nervous, and then I would be so nervous. You ever just sweat for no reason other than nervousness? And they would say to you in this small church, just let this minister to your hearts, which is church for this is not going to minister to your ears at all. I'm no good, Right? So it's good that the worship team is talented and they're skilled, but I know them and they're doing it for an audience of one. They're doing it so that we could join in a concert directed totally for God. Let me tell you how I gauge whether it was, that was good worship or not. Don't, don't be an American Idol judge at church. That's not what we're called to do. Go home and be an American Idol judge and tell which one you liked one through 10 and text in your results and all that, but not here. Because we're not doing this for you. They, I know, are not doing this. They're doing this to serve us so that we can all worship together. How I gauge whether or not a worship time is successful is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit among us. Because if a bunch of God's people come together and willfully decide, it is reasonable for me, in spite of everything that is happening, I will lift my voice as an act of my own volition. No one can make you do it. And I'm going to tell God how great he is, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to lift my voice because his word commands me to do it. We're going to be obedient, and we're going to be humble together as a community, singing our praise to him. He loves when we do that. And then his presence is manifested in a way. Wouldn't it be fantastic that, that, that unbelievers would come in among us? And here's what an unbeliever experiences when they come into church and we're all singing like crazy people. Like, there is nowhere else on the planet where this happens. What is going on? And what they may not understand is that the presence of the Lord is in this place and even drawing them to himself. Why? Because we've come in obedient and humble and lifted our voices to him. Yes, 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 you should. As a believer in Jesus Christ, bring a sacrifice of praise every single weekend, not wanting to judge what's going on the stage, not saying it's a concert. This is a concert for Jesus alone, and we'll lift and glorify him. Worship is a reasonable response when we think about our God. This, this is the thing. When, when you just will go before him reasonably and say, here's what you've done in Scripture, here's what I've seen you done, here's what you're doing, and then you can recount what he's done in your life, Man, you can't worship and worry at the same time. 
You can't. Maybe, maybe that's my challenge. See, because you can make supplication and ask God, and you can come out of a devotional time where I think I just worried to Jesus for about 30 minutes. Just told him, and, and, he'll, and he listens to that. And, and we have that supplication. We have what we ask, we ask in his name. All of that is true, but there are times where you just need to go before him, put some music on, or, or, and just tell him how great he is. You know what? That'll take you above your worry, above your concern, to the place where he is. And where he is, there's peace and wholeness and fulfillment and healing and help and peace and rest. And it's not a duty. It's something that you do from a place of rest. How are we to worship? Number one, we are to worship God together. Throughout Psalm 95, did you catch that when Kezia was reading? Let us come before him with singing. Let us, there is not a single place where it says, let me. It says, let us. This is, God loves this. And the more diversity of voices, the more he likes it. The more diversity of church backgrounds, the more he enjoys it. You know, the people that are in your row people that are with us that are different from us. And all of you can look around and see people that are different than you. You know, we all experience God in in a unique way. Not that there are many gods. There's one God. But my children know me a little bit differently. And I know them a little bit differently. And if you talk to one of them, you find this out. And you talk to another one, you find that out, right? And it's the same way. We're to come together in our diversity and together we experience God. There's something about God that you know and see that will encourage and bless me. And in this, God is glorified. This is where our culture needs so much to hear from God. There's something dynamic that happens when we come together as God's people to worship him. I can't tell you the number of times in the services, and this is why Stephanie and I like to be in the services. We wanna obey God's word and sing together as a church. I can't tell you the number of times where the Holy Spirit will speak to me right, in, right while we're worshiping as we're just paying attention to him. There's rest there, there's peace there, there's wisdom there, and as we're glorifying him, he'll whisper to you, he'll say things to you. In Revelation chapter seven, it says this, after these things I looked, John the Revelator is, is saying this, and behold, uh, in heaven a great multitude which no one could number of all nations tribes, peoples, and tongues. Heaven is going to be very diverse. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice. We worship God loud and unapologetically here. It's loud. Saying, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's worship that's going on in heaven. Not only that, he mentions palm branches. This reminds me of when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. Well, it wasn't a Roman procession of great, you know, boldness on a white horse as the Roman soldiers would have done in that day. But Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, comes in lowly and humble on a donkey's colt. And he comes riding in and all the people there are throwing their cloak down and they're they're waving the palm branches and they're saying what? Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all the Pharisees who do not like loud worship. Religious people don't want to get loud about anything except a football game. Don't talk to me that it's weird that we would lift our hands or sing loudly in church. Go to a Bengals game. These people are crazy. And it's not even reasonable. Cub fans, it's not reasonable. I just got myself in trouble. I almost made it through, but I got myself in trouble. It's reasonable for us to sing unto the Lord full voice. It's reasonable to make a a, a loud 
uh, jubilant sound before him. This is what the people of God have been doing from generation to generation, from the very beginning, from the people of God in Israel. I want you to march around the city, and then I want you to blow the trumpets, and I want you to make a loud voice before God. Oh, God, we love you. He loves that. He's worthy, and it's reasonable that we would do that. We worship him together. We worship him in great diversity. We're going to sing again in just a moment. We're going to put everything in our life aside. And we're just going to sing to him and minister to him because he's worthy. But the other thing that that we need to do, oh, this is the thing. I didn't finish the story. Jesus comes in a triumphal entry, and all the Pharisees want him to be quiet. Will you please quiet all these people down? He said, even if they were all quiet, those rocks that I made would form a choir and start singing to me. What's he saying? All of creation glorifies me. Why did the water hold Jesus? Because when Jesus stepped out on the water, the water said, we know you. You made us. You need something to walk on? Here's a highway for you. Why did the wine uh, from water become that? Because the one who made the water The one who made the water asked for the wine and the water had to say to the maker, whatever you want, we'll do it right now. If you don't worship and it's an act of your volition, all of creation is gonna pass you by and all of creation is already worshiping. Don't you just wanna join in with the rocks? Uh, There's an old song we sang at church, ain't no rock gonna sing in my place. That's hilarious. You know what I'm saying? You sing that song? Uh, Man, I don't want any pit bull or duck or rock or tree. I'm so thankful to be able to praise God. We're to worship God in spirit and in truth as well. To worship him in spirit and in truth means that the lyrics that we sing are, are important and theologically correct. We're not just singing about crazy stuff. We're singing about stuff in the word of God. You know how to worship. You find that out by asking God according to his word. He'll show you how. And so it's gotta be accurate, it's gotta be true. But it also means as we worship him in spirit, it means that we fully expect that as we worship him, he inhabits the praises of his people. He's he's here today. He's here every weekend. But when we start to worship him, it's something special that you, I don't believe, or, or I could experience alone and by ourselves. But we experience that together. Lastly, I would say this. From Psalm 95, we're to worship God from a place of rest. Here's the cool thing about worship. It's not another thing you put on your to-do list. It's something you do by the grace of God. And you do it from a place of rest, not not some moral obligation where you're going to earn God's favor. But you worship Him. And here's what's cool. When you come from a place of rest, what happens as you worship Him is He gives you rest. Some of you, some of you came in here stressed out. And I'm going to encourage you this week, you need to turn some praise music on it's going to be tough because, you, you know, we might have to turn Netflix off for a second <laughs> and just reasonably start to worship him from a place of rest and see if he doesn't minister to your soul in that way. Lastly, I'd say this. Worship is how we reorient our heart to the one thing that won't destroy our lives. We've worshiped many things that have tried to destroy us, but now we can worship God. Would you stand with me? Here's what we're going to do. Man, I am sweating. I feel like, since this is the one day of the week that I work, I feel like I've actually worked today, so that's good. (laughs) Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to offer God loud praise. For you, this means for just about three minutes, in the warmth 
I'm going to ask you to put aside everything in your life because God is number one and we're just going to sing and worship him. For some of you, it's just going to be a surrender of an open hand before him saying, God, I, I, I love you and you're first in my life. For some of you, it's a time of coming back, just saying, I want you to be first in my life. And we're going to worship him together. Then I'm going to come up and we're going to say a, a simple prayer of salvation. Let's worship together.
you uh, remain standing with me, we're going to close in prayer. About 23, 24 years ago, I had came back to Jesus. I gave my life fully to Him. I was looking for meaning and the answer to life. I had really no idea what God does in a person's life. I had no idea the work of the Holy Spirit. I didn't really understand forgiveness and what that would mean in my life, the grace that I would live in. And as we worship today, I'm thinking, I am just so not worthy to even worship God. But he's a, He allows us to do that. He allows us to know Him. And just... You think about how pleased he is and what he's done in your life to bring you to a place where you're willing to sing and worship him in church and uh, the grace that he's had in our life. And if you're here today and you haven't experienced that grace, it's real. And God is alive. And he did actually send Jesus Christ. He died on a cross. He came back from the dead. And he ascended into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of those of us who believe. He has an actual kingdom that's advancing right now and, um, and, he, and he's real. And he says in his word that if you'll believe that he's real and confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he did those things, that you can begin a relationship with him. You can receive forgiveness today and start that journey uh, with Jesus Christ. No one can make you do it. Uh, it's an act of your own volition that you would do that. If you need to come back to Jesus today, like I did that 20 years ago, or if you need to commit your life to him for the first time, we're going to say a simple prayer that will start you on your journey. These people here are so kind in this warm room that they'll even pray this prayer with you. So that's how we're going to end today. Would you bow your heads with me? And uh, so that these folks don't have to pray alone if they're making this decision, I would just ask that, that all of us uh, pray this prayer together. Would you pray this? Pray, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord and Savior as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, Father, we thank you for those who prayed that prayer today, and we ask you that uh, you would help us to be the kind of church to walk alongside and journey with new believers. Father, we just thank you for that great decision that they made right now, that they're forgiven, that they're whole, they're complete, and a new creation in you. And uh, Father, I just pray a special blessing on your people today now as they go. God, I pray that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit this week, that you would, by your grace, allow all of us to spend time telling you how wonderful you are and worshiping you. And God, I pray for a new hope and new peace and new life in the home and life of every believer. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You did so well. You endured it till the end. We'll turn the AC on next week. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.